Blog Talk Radio. I have an emergency. What is your location? Indeed, there is, and welcome to Rescue Radio. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for freedom. We thank you, Lord God, that it is whom the Son sets free is free indeed. And we thank you, Lord God, that you have given us eyes to see, ears to hear, and a heart to receive. And I pray that as each one of us join together today to bring our petitions before the high court of heaven, that you would answer us, Lord, give us courage, grace, strength, discernment, uh, to understand, to give us eyes to see, ears to hear, remove the dullness, remove the um, simplicity and the, uh, the the traps, the tricks, the snares, the delusions, the familiarity of the enemy who would try to keep us stuck in places where we don't feel free. I thank you, Lord, that you died on the cross. You took the initiative. You finished the work. You completed uh, our salvation, bought and paid for it yourself, and it is a free gift, and we thank you for it. There's nothing we can add to it, Lord God, except our desire to follow you, which is what you uh, commanded us to do. And so we thank you that we follow you, Lord God, and that you've also promised us that there is no weapon that is formed against us that will prosper. So for each one today and those who listen to the archives, we pray divine protection, covering uh, deliverance from the snares of the evil one, that no thought, no word, no no setup, nothing the enemy uses against us will be able to bring forth any shame, trouble, reproach, or separation from you, Lord God, because that's what your word promises. We also pray that divine prayer for our loved ones, for our families, those who work for us, pray for us, those involved in our businesses, those who um, we pray for, those who have come to us for help and, and uh, encouragement, Lord God, that each one would be encouraged this day to know the individual relationship that they have with you is good because you are with them. So give us uh, your grace to understand freedom in Jesus. You are the witness, the, the faithful witness. So testify to us in our hearts today. Bear witness through your Holy Spirit uh, as to lead us into, and to lead us into all truth. Father, we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, good morning, honey. Good morning. Good morning. Well, we've got a very uh, excellent topic again. Of As course, we usually do. Of course, and you are the the man with all the questions today. I hear. Well, I have the questions. You have the answers. Well, oh, the Lord has the answers. What a combination! Right? Huh? That's right. What That's a right. scary so today combination. Today we're going to be talking about uh, personal freedom. Okay. Is it a reality, a possibility, or just an illusion? Well, and I think I can add to that another question that kind of prefaces that. Do you have it? Freedom, do you have it? But the question, the first question I suppose you're going to ask me, but go ahead, is? Well, what exactly is freedom? Well, that's, I knew you were going to say so, that. So, <laughs> we anticipate each other, honey. Yeah, I know. Okay. Yeah, that's what happens after you're married a long, long time. Yeah, that, you know, a long, long I, time. I, we don't have to talk as much because I already know what you're going to say exactly and what you're going to do. I can tell what you are thinking by the way you walk sometimes or, you know, whatever. But yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's Freedom. Way, way okay, close. do you have a dictionary? Well, I have a dictionary here, and a dictionary definition of freedom, mm-hmm. it, it says here it's an exemption or liberation from the control of some other person or some arbitrary power. Ooh, that's pretty good. Liberation, it, huh? Yep. It, or it's, it's liberty. It can be defined as independence, 
uh, it's uh, exception or immunity from a specified obligation or discomfort. It's an exemption or release from imprisonment. Mm -hmm. It's uh, being able to act, move, or use, etc., without hindrance or restraint. Okay, mm-hmm. and it's be, being able to choose or determine uh, action freely. Uh, it, it can refer to ease of movement or performance. So it, it, essentially, uh, freedom means absence of hindrance, restraint, confinement, or repression. Absence of those things. Exemption it, from. It can, it can be used interchangeably, often with with liberty and so forth. And uh, so, uh, but, this is these are the this is what we're talking about. Like one uh, uh, famous person that I don't remember his name said years ago, then. he says, "If you're going to talk with me, you need to define your terms." Mm-hmm. So we're defining the terms here, at least in a dictionary definition, and we're yeah. going to look at the uh, mm-hmm. biblical uh, definitions. Well, of the that biblical now. definitions redefine all the terms. I think Satan defines the terms. Uh, a freedom, for example, we'll just use that as our topic. He he defines freedom defined uh, under the devil's dictionary definition would be to do whatever you want to do and not be aware of any consequences that you might have to pay for later, but be sure that there are consequences. But that part is blotted out of the definition. So it's freedom to do what I want to do, when I want to do it, where I want to do it, how I want to do it, with no no consequences. consequences. That's the devil's definition of freedom. The Lord's f- definition of freedom is truth. He he said, you shall know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So walking in the truth in the midst of a world that's contrary to everything. So there's two paradigms, two worldviews. One is the devil's, and one is the Lord's. So we're looking at God's worldview here, Mm -hmm. uh, God's eternal worldview, worldview, Mm -hmm. which is the truth. Uh, Reading from John 8, 31 through 36. Mm -hmm. It says, then Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. They answered him, we are Abraham's descendants and have never been in bondage to anyone, well, which was really not true. Mm-hmm. How can you say, <laughs> Even at that very moment, they were in bondage right, to Rome. They, they were in bondage to Rome at that point yeah. and to a lot of other things, to their religious bondage and all mm-hmm. that. How can you say you will be made free? Jesus answered them, Most assuredly, I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave of sin. Mm -hmm. And a slave does not abide in the house forever, but a son abides forever. Therefore, if the son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. So we're talking about Um, slavery to sin. And then we're talking about juxtaposed with being free indeed. In other words, really free. Well, he's talking about abiding in the house. So ultimately, the ultimate aim and end of freedom is to abide in the house forever, the house of God. And the enemy's ultimate aim is to keep you, to to bring you to his house, which is the house of hell uh, forever. And people don't really, even these days, believe that there's such a thing as hell or that God is, so good he wouldn't throw anybody into hell. So there's all kinds of situations where Satan is is putting doubt and double mindedness into the into the mix 
so that people are not sure what they believe. And I believe belief is the foundation of freedom. What you believe brings brings you to truth or the lie. And those two, belief and truth or lie, determines your level of freedom and freedom indeed. So, yes, uh, freedom for most people, personal freedom, is a possibility in Christ. As far as living free in this present evil world under the sway of the evil one, the freedom that we have here at various degrees, I think freedom is in degrees uh, in various people, nations, nationalities, situations. Um, Individuals. And, well, yeah, that, that we, have, we are as called as, as part of the kingdom of God, live a kingdom of God is living within this matrix of a very evil world. And so we have a whole different set of standards, um, uh, goals, opportunities, situations, uh, advancements, means for advancement in the kingdom of God than the world does. We don't, we're not of the world. We're in it, but not of it. So the, the, uh, the actual fact that we have any freedoms here at all to live, to breathe, to you know, participate in life are only gifts uh, of divine protection. Because if I think the devil would have his way, all of the the Church of Jesus Christ, the remnant, the true followers of His, would be absolutely annihilated immediately, um, and that has not happened because uh, the devil is not free himself well, to do what he always wants to do. Definitely, you know, and it's the fact is though it, it is possible because this is what God's Word tells us as we'll, as we'll explore today. Mm-hmm. It is possible to live in freedom that. Mm-hmm that only Christ can give in the midst, in the context of a very vile world that is just pressing on us from every, uh, every yeah. direction. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, by the way, if you'd like to give us a call, if you're listening live today, mm-hmm. uh, give us a call. If you have a question or comment, call us at 347-215-8051. Again, 347-215-8051. You know, I think that the the quest for freedom uh, is at the at the bottom. It's in the middle. Uh, it's the um, emanating force in every heart uh, to be free, to know freedom from pain, freedom from fear, freedom from bondage, freedom from. Uh, I think part of that def- definition you read was um, freedom from um, the the control of a person or an entity. And that's exactly what needs to happen is we are under the control and the sway, the persuasion, the influence, the intimidation uh, of, the, of the evil one. And we have no idea how he has not only set, up, uh, set us up in his kingdom, but he has also set his kingdom up within our own hearts and minds um, through the diabolical life patterns, the generational curses the sins of the fathers coming down, the agreements that have been made with him through our people, our bloodline, that have allowed him to continue to uh, proceed into our lives to create places of anxiety, fear, guilt, shame, secrets, deception, um, even disassociation. So the freedom that we're talking about today, the personal freedom, has to come from the only source it can, and that is the truth of Jesus Christ. And if for, for many of you... I think you've become used to living in confusion, double-mindedness, still trying to live your life to make sense of life, trying to 
uh, get ahead trying to pay your bills, trying to get the approval of someone, even maybe if that person even is dead, like say a parent or something, you're, we're still trying to do a lot of things that are pointless and exhausting. Right. But, you know, we're, we're really focusing on the personal freedom here. You know, in, in nations of the world, there's always, you know, a coup or something or a revolution to try mm-hmm, to bring mm-hmm, political freedom mm-hmm. uh, to uh, a nation. Um, and people feel under that kind of oppression. But there's so much oppression, as we talked about, Marjorie, you mentioned personal oppression right within our hearts, in our lives, in our minds, yeah, can, that this is what Jesus can. Jesus said the kingdom of God is within, within you. you. Mm-hmm. So there, there's the rule of God. It's the rule of God. It seems sounds contradictory, but it's the rule of God that brings freedom. But it has to be accepted. That's the point. The point is that God created us free. He created us free to reject him and free to love him when he gave us a free will. And that's why, by the way, God has to operate in his permissive will most of the time because he doesn't really get his perfect will, what he really wants, because we have already made a choice and he's got to work within the context of our choice. But you're right. The personal freedom that we are looking for does not come from having a good government that really loves you because your government does not love you. And it's not a big brother that's really looking out for you. Really, it's a it's vested interest in the in the various people, the, the leadership of the day, whatever, whoever's got that you know, power at the point, that point in time that Satan has given it to him. But be that what it may, within the context of that that's very treacherous world, we can walk in freedom. And personal freedom requires, first of all, your agreement, your consent. God does not force you to be free because his freedom requires what looks just to be the opposite of what the devil has said, told us freedom really looks like. God's freedom calls us to be servants. And whom the sun sets free is free indeed to to serve, to love, to die, to give, um, to be all that God has created us to be. Now, that does not seem like a personal goal for most of the people of the world. They're not looking for a way to give up their life. They're looking for a way to keep their life. But Jesus said, he who keeps desires to, to save his life will lose it. And he who loses it for my sake will keep it. But in this thing with personal freedom, if you want to write this down or remember this in your mind, we'll make it simple. There has to be, number one, an agreement with the truth. Jesus is the truth and Jesus' spirit in us reveals the truth to us in a progressive manner as we follow him. So there has to be an agreement with God's definition of life, freedom, truth, love, etc. An agreement. And then at, that, at some point along the journey with God, it moves from just being um, agreeing to actually um, indulging in or entering into an agree- that agreement to walk in it. And that comes through a conversion or a transformation. God is not just interested in, in lip service. As a matter of fact, that is abhorrent to him. That is shallow and it will not prevail. And I think just another quick aside, which I probably shouldn't say, but I believe that we will be tested in our alliance and allegiances to the Lord. So the only ones who are going to be able to stand in that fiery trial or that refining process are those who are truly um, transformed and converted. Like Peter was uh, transformed, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So we move away from our old paradigms and what we think and concepts and mindsets and belief systems we transfer and transform through the Word of God, through believing the Word of God, into a new paradigm, a new mindset. So about you know, 
So talking about entering into that new mindset. So there's a there are old mindsets, many old mindsets mm-hmm. that just have to go, that have to be replaced with the truth. But what, Margie, what does our self-concept or our, what we see, who we see ourselves as, or our personal identity, what does our personal identity have to do with our freedom? Well, if you don't know, it has everything to do with your freedom, because if you don't know who you are, you have you don't know anything. I mean, the whole goal down here is to understand who I am, where I come from, why I'm here, and what I'm supposed to do, and where I'm going to end up. I mean, that's just the mind. We just have that deposited into us, that desire to know those things. And so um, the mind, there's, there's, two, the spirit, there's two kingdoms. There's only two kingdoms, and I don't have a kingdom for all you church people who think it's just my fault, my flesh, my my bad, you know, and I've got to somehow get my act together, uh, and it's all about me self-improving myself. That is not what Jesus said. He didn't say get rid of your sin. He said follow me. And in the process of following him, of course, he will perfect that which concerns us. But so the, 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 the controller of this world, the one who keeps you from knowing who you are, is a spirit of fear. Everything, there are two kingdoms, so everything reduces down to be able to fit into one of those two kingdoms. The devil's kingdom is governed by fear, and God's kingdom is governed by love and faith in the faithfulness of God and faith in his love. So it's fear or love. So a lot of people don't know who they are because they are controlled by the demons of fear. They're controlled by uh, what other people say about them. Yeah, that's fear of what people think. You're controlled. Uh, also, uh, your life, your in, your life experiences, your personal experiences, right. and your interpretation of them mm-hmm. have so much to do with your your how you perception. see yourself, mm-hmm. your perception, mm-hmm. and then related to that, have so much to do with the level of freedom or bondage that you have as well. Yeah, well, our perceptions, and interesting enough, as you know, I'm. It's just kind of like a, a, a domino effect. The, the devil sets us up with a fear, and he traumatizes us through an event uh, that we call those memories. He sets you up to believe a lie. It's all about lies equal bondage, truth equals freedom, freedom equals truth. So, so when he sets you up to believe a lie, then he creates through that experience uh, a, a set of perceptions. And you use those perceptions to interpret the next set of experiences that come to you. So it's just kind of like it, it keeps building on itself, this fear, this fear, this deception. So you're using actually wrong information right. to continue uh, a wrong standard to interpret the new experiences. That Which come then you promotes you've, you've a continuation like a, of the wrong standard. Yep. It's all fear. Well, yeah, and then the tricky part, that the people... There is no other explanation for what's going on around you if you don't put the devil in the equation. You 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 go out and figure. Just just call your life fate, bad luck, and who cares? Because if you don't have a the Bible says the curse without a cause does not come in Proverbs twenty six two. So if you are just bouncing from pillar to post and you know you manifest multiple personalities, you're you're bipolar. You're in. You're out. You're up. You're down. You're, you're freaking. You're fine. It, 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 there's no stability in your life, then you know that you are not in control and the truth is not in control of you. Could you just give us a specific uh, scenario about how uh, an experience of a person 
a specific, uh, say, experience can help, uh, not help, but have a role in forming a person's identity and how that would could lead that person into a wrong concept of themselves and and, and wrong behavior. Just a just a specific. Oh, example. I can there's, give you a many simple one. I can give you a very complex one. Some of them are very very complex. But let's just start out with basics. Um, let's just start with the womb, being born, uh, being in the womb. I have talked to thousands of people. And that's why it's hard to give one example. But anyway, right. Uh, that's why everything's confidential because I can't remember any of it. But anyway, um, let's just say that you have someone in the womb who's um, feeling the sense of rejection. Maybe they're not wanted. Maybe it's an unplanned pregnancy. Maybe it's an oops, an accident. And, and, or maybe the one parent doesn't want the, the child. Um, and that sort of starts emanating into the womb so you feel this rejection. Maybe a parent is, um, maybe the mother is thinking she's going to gain too much weight. So she stops eating and you in the womb start starving. So now that's another option or possibility. Um, so now you're going you're gonna to be sensing that I'm going to die. Maybe you're stuck in the birth canal. And at that point, you're trapped and panic and freak and freaked out. And so all these uh, anxiety, um, I don't know, receptor sites are activated because I'm, I'm stuck. I'm going to die. It always goes down to and back to a fear of, of being alone or a fear of dying because we're built by God to want to live. So if Satan can traumatize you into thinking you're going to die, then, of course, he's got you right where he wants you. And you will agree with that feeling. You, and that is an agreement. It's an unconscious, subconscious, passive agreement because you didn't even know you were being lied to. You just think, you don't know what, what you're in right now. You're, you're in a birth canal. You don't know that. And uh, you, don't need, you can't talk to yourself, well, I've been here before. I know how to get out of this. This will be fine. I'm going to be born. God is with me. Da, da, da. He's with us in the matrix of our mother's womb, but... The devil is also there. Or, for example, maybe you get tied up with a cord choking you or your mother's hemorrhaging while you're being born. Or So you come out of that first initial of being born with a bunch of experiences like I couldn't do it. I had to be removed by forceps. I had to be cesarean. Um, uh, I need other people to help me. You, you begin to learn certain things in your demonic patterns. Uh, life patterns are being set up like I'm helpless. I need other people to do it for me. Or I'm mad. I don't want to be here. Maybe you were delayed in your birth and, and um, you know, you just had a feeling it was going to be tough out there and didn't want to come out of that nice warm place. Or So whatever your life patterns, if, for example, easy one choked with the cord, those people are always going to be hindered. Every time they try to move forward, make progress in their life, whether it's emotional, relational, financial, whatever it is, there's going to be an underlying, uh, I like to call it a bot in the system, an underlying program that's operating that you don't see that's going to pull you subconsciously back into um, every, you, uh, into what you think you know and you think you learned that every time I try to go forward, I get choked, I get held back, I'm, I'm doing this at the risk of dying because I'm suffocating while I'm trying to be born. So you're in a very a huge already torture rack of that, that the devil, now listen to me people, if any of these things happen to you, you just pay attention, ask the Lord to show you how he, the devil has repatterned recreated this pattern, reused it in your life over the course of your life in a lot of ways that you never, never caught on to. And until you catch on to the pattern, you will not be able to um, cancel out the pattern through the blood of Jesus Christ. You had a question. So, well, just a comment. Oh. You know, so we are being a pro- unconsciously programmed e- even in, in the womb. And, and so we get in, people just go ahead and live their lives and have no idea uh-huh. why they are in this pattern. Yep. 
And so, how about, so if they have no idea, how can they Do how anything. can they discover that? Mm-hmm. I mean, are people just uh, victims? Mm-hmm. Uh, is there is there just no way out? Because I've been programmed this way, mm-hmm. and it's you know there's 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 lies, there's bondages that that people are living in maybe their whole lives, and they never come mm-hmm. to realize mm-hmm. what's going on. So what what what's the way to break out of it? Well. First of all, you have to recognize it. You have to identify it. And the only way we can do that is through the light of the Word of God. The light of God's truth makes manifest the hidden works of darkness, it says in Ephesians. So what we're doing is we're, we're, we're following God. His Holy Spirit is the light. It says the spirit of a man is the candle of the Lord, searching all the inner rooms of the heart in Proverbs 27, 20 or so, 20, 27 maybe. And so when you get saved, that candle gets lit, and the Holy Spirit who's been downloaded to operate in you now as a new software system, a system of truth, begins to take you on a tour of your life to show you these patterns. And the only way you're going to really see it is to pay attention and to follow and to uh, allow the Lord to speak to you. And this is why we need to stay quiet and stay in the Word, because God will show you. Um, But there's another problem in that not only are these patterns hidden from us, we become familiar with them. We get used to them, and then in that familiarity, we begin to accept them as it is what it is. And so we never even resist them. So we're now coming into another level of agreement called a passive agreement where we just accept it because it is what it is. And we don't, I think we lose the idea, the dynamic, the revelation of that we are not created for this world. This world is a testing zone. This world is temporary and we're destined for heaven. We we don't seem to get that message and at least... Um, and if we do, even in our early life, it's it's really it's presented in such a junky, uh, pathetic way that it's almost easier to believe it isn't doesn't isn't really true. And just just that little phrase, "It is what it is." I just hear that. I've heard that so much over recent years. That's kind of a new uh, phrase. I've it never. It is what it is, and of course, whatever. Yeah, those you know, two words. Those yeah, two things are permissions. Are like, oh my! No, no, they are actually very powerful. They're permissions they to are. to uh, you are giving permission for whatever is going on to continue, and you're submitting to it by saying what it is, whatever it is, it is, and what that is will continue because it is on its own. It's 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 operating on its own power. Well, it's just something. And I don't have it, any power it, to stop it's it. It's like it's a, prin- right, right. it's a principle. It's something the way, uh, the way, it's a pattern, and there's nothing I can do well, about it's it. Well, it's a demonic trick to get you to become passive and to uh, not enter into an, a discussion or a disagreement with him. Another thing, however, that people don't realize, um, for example, going back to the experiences of the womb uh, and being born, or any other kind of, you know, very traumatic, and usually these things are epic and traumatic, and what one of the things that we do when we think we're going to die, uh, or things are too terrible, or we just black out. We black out, blank out, uh, associate is another word. We just leave the scene. We don't want to know about it, think about it, be there, feel it, remember it. And so when we're saying those things, when we're giving consent to those demons who are standing by to snatch the remembrance of it, to, 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 to um, take away what we, th- we think this is a lie, that if I don't feel it, it won't hurt. And if I don't remember it, it never really happened. And so we want to believe this horrible thing never really happened. So we just want it blocked out of our mind. So when you block stuff out where you're giving permission, actually, 
for the devil to block it out. You're going into a place of disassociation where then it gets buried. And for years and years and years, you do not remember what happened. However, just because you don't remember, it doesn't mean it's dead. It still operates. It has permission to operate in your subconscious in a way that is damaging, but you are not acknowledging it. So a lot of people who have been ritualistically abused, sexually abused, uh, even in their births, they they block out. They black they black out. They do not remember. They do not know. And if you do not know and you do not remember, you cannot address the demon, the lie, or the situation. So how 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 is a person going to find out about this stuff? Say they've had all these things happen to them, uh, and things that they don't even remember, and they're in bondage to things they don't even know they're right. in bondage to. Mm-hmm. How? in the world are they able to going to be able to realize what has happened to them and how they can be free how can they be free i mean who who is going to address that i mean yes they read the scriptures there's the revelation of jesus christ but a lot mm-hmm. of people read the word read the word read the word mm-hmm. and never really yeah. uncover the bondages or or get in their lives well, or get released from them. Well, one of the problems with reading the Word is they read the Word under the preconceived notions and direction of demons. The devil actually knows the Word of God, and he, he and it says he actually fears. So the devil, the devil has power to interpret the Scriptures. And he does. And, and, <laughs> and he, in a religious, <laughs> condemning, damning, try harder, hate you, no good, God's mad at you way, he has those filters, and a lot of our mainline denominations have a mixture of interpreting. They give you such a crazy, insane double message. It's like having an, uh, an insane parent, uh, uh, you know, uh, come here, I love you, hate you, I hate you, go away. Um, the, the, the church has mixed the gospel up so badly that most people can't, they literally can't stomach it anymore. They just don't go, which is probably the healthiest decision they've made in a long time, is to not go to these kind of churches. So the devil will reinterpret the word. So when you're reading the word of God, some of you that have read it all your life may have to stop and start reading it for the first time and take off your demonically tinted religious glasses or judgments or opinions or uh, concepts of God and whatever. Uh, just set them aside and just simply read the word in an unbiased fashion. Just just read it. Don't try to interpret it. Just Allow the Holy Spirit who dwells in you to interpret it. So many times we uh, receive what we have been told about the Word of God. Right. Rather than the Word of God itself. You know, we get it through preachers. We get it through books. We get it through TV programs. We get it through the Internet and so forth. So we have a concept of of what we're told. It's it's distorted, but it's what we're told about the Word. Mm Mm-hmm than what the actual word is and what well, the word says. This makes me think of the example of, of David. Uh, and David knew. He was a kid. He knew how to use a slingshot. slingshot. He knew how to kill a lion and a bear. He knew he had already done that. So he knew that how to do it. I mean, he was confident. He, he had done it. It, was, it. it worked. And then when it was time to go after Goliath, Saul, the king, wanted to get a little glory in it by dressing David up in his armor that was too big for him and so david obliged him and put it on then he took it off because you know that saul's armor would have though it was the it was the standard of the day 
You dress in armor when you're going to go to war so you don't get shot at, blah, blah, blah. David, I can't imagine, had probably just his little, you know, whatever, you know, linen garment on and his little leather belt and his his basket, you know, his pouch with five stones in it and his little slingshot. And that's how he went. And see, because he knew that he knew. And I think a lot of times with this word of God, we think we have to look like something, put somebody else's revelation on in order to be accepted before God. And God says, what? Who are you? Who are you? I, I, that's not you. You're David. Mm-hmm. I, I gave you. Yeah, come on. Let's do the five stone thing. It's okay. I got it. And so people are trying to be somebody they're not. They're trying to be some religious person. It's so phony. It's so fake. It's so sickening. And if you and I are sick of it, what do you think God thinks about it? He thinks, come on, be real. Really, seriously, be real. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but, but going back to our perceptions, uh, our perceptions control us. And if Satan has been the one, the author of those perceptions, then more than likely uh, he, is, he is working towards his end, which is confusion and delusion. But if we work and walk towards being fearless, fearless means I'm, I'm okay, God, strip this garbage, these, these um, uh, crutches, these uh, props, these uh, self-helps, these uh, things that I use to hide behind, strip them off so that we can see what's really going on. You know, that's one of the freedoms I don't think people think about much is the freedom to be free from secret secrets, from secret sins. Um, freedom from fear, anxiety, guilt. Uh, mm. For example, freedom from secret sins. The enemy holds us in secrets, secret sins, shame. Like you do something, you're blackmailed, you, you end up doing something that you hate yourself for. Um, you can't believe you did it. At the time you went into it, uh, let's just give an example. Let's just say you did something, a homosexual act. Or, you know, you had sex before marriage with somebody. And or, you, you know, you've been taught all your life that this is wrong, wrong, wrong. And it is not right. But somehow you got deceived, persuaded. And I think part of it is you have to recognize that in your generational bloodline, there was already a spirit of sexual perversion that has gone before the court of heaven and is lobbying for a right to test you in this area. Because there have been people in your bloodline before you that have been tested in this area and failed. And Satan's got an agreement with them. And now he wants to test you. God permits it. That doesn't mean you're destroyed. God permits a lot of stuff he permits you know, simply because Satan is petitioning and God is allowing. And why is God allowing? Because God has a better end in mind, as he did with Job. But going back to secret sins, let's just say you you did something that was so bad that, number one, you had some options here. I can't believe I did that. So you either disconnect it, disbelieve it, disassociate from it, um, and or these things maybe happened to you when you were so young that, you don't recognize the predispositions there to sexual perversion. You're probably sexually abused yourself. And now you're touching your children or you're having sex with, uh, you know, whatever. Um, and, but, you don't, but, but now because it's so shameful, it is so violating to your made in the image of God being. You're made holy in the image of God. You're so shocked and violated, and, and, and I think the word is shocked, that, you, um, that, we're, that we that we we block we block it out, and we don't want to deal with it because it's too scary, too uh, destructive, too uh, contrary. You know, if I'm defiled, defective, destroyed, ruined, nothing uh, don't matter. Then what's the point of my life? And so we aren't really willing to give up the point of our life and and the hope of of life. So we just have to deny these things have happened. 
And so these things operate then, again, under the surface, subconsciously in our lives. So we're, we're pulled more and more into these committing of these acts, these incriminating acts that become Satan's evidence against us to taunt us, to convict us that we are unsavable, that we're vile, that we're... And, and so the shame, shame says, I am bad. Guilt says, I did something bad. So between guilt and shame, we are absolutely shut down and cannot move forward unless the demon of secrets comes in and says, well, don't show it, don't let anybody know, cover it up, don't tell anybody. And that's how most people live. They live covering up their lives. That's why you can't get close to them. That's why you don't get to know them, because to know someone means to see and to, to, to love them anyway. But, to, you know, but fear says, well, I don't want you to know me, because then you'll know what I know, and then you won't like me. So I can't really let you know who I am. What would you say to someone that's listening today that's involved in some secret, what we call secret sin? Of course, we know it's open to God. It's not known right. to peop- other people, uh, well, but it's known to God. What, 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 what is there a key thing? What, what can they do? And well, right now, they're just saying, "Hey, yes, that's true in my life. I, w- I wanted to be free. I've tried to quit. Mm-hmm. What do I do?" Well, fear has locked you up. Number one, no. You number one, no. You are locked up by fear, and second, know that you're worth saving. That God is there to deliver you. That's why most of His solutions to our problems are called deliverance, which means get the devil out, get the demon out. That's what deliverance means. It doesn't mean you know try to live with them, try to live in peaceful coexistence, uh, give him what he wants, um, feed the lion so he doesn't eat you. It's get the demon or demons, or strongholds, out. And the way that's done is through exposure. The devil hates the light. So secrets, you know, uh, the, that's why God says, confess your sin. Confess your fault. Confess the secret. Confess it. You say, well, I don't dare do that, because if I confess it to somebody, they're going to judge me. Well, you're probably right 95% of the time. You're going to confess it to somebody, and you're going to get in trouble with the law, or you're going to get in trouble with your, your family, or whatever. But you can, first of all, you can confess these things to the Lord God and cry out to him for deliverance because it's your life. And it's going to be a harder life if you live it with demons carrying on inside of you than with demons carrying on outside of you. So you're going to cry out to God for deliverance. First of all, you have to admit it. You say, Lord, I need help. And sometimes this does not happen unless God helps us out by allowing a situation to be created that calls Calls in, calls it and in, exposes, exposes it, right? Mm-hmm. And and sometimes he does that through the legal system. Sometimes he does that through whatever prophetic word, yeah, word of knowledge. Hopefully, you know, God will come to you first with a spirit of conviction, and and he will give you grace and strength. But most of the time, we don't know what to do with that uh, Holy Spirit conviction, and so we try harder. We make a resolution, uh, a New Year's resolution or an old resolution or a determination that we're going to. And I think that's what a lot of our our programs, our recovery programs are about, whether it's from a sexual addiction or a chemical addiction or uh, whatever it is. We, we give the person a, a bunch of stuff to do, a program, stuff to study, books to read, papers to write, and we think that ought to do it. But that doesn't do it because you have not plucked out the root. It's like, it's like in the garden. You know, a lot of those weeds have deep roots. 
you can take your lawnmower out there and chop off the tops of them, and it'll look okay for a minute. But if you don't get the root of that thing, you are kidding yourself, and you are wasting your time, and you're you're a joke. It's a joke to mow off the weeds that need to be pulled out. And so when you're doing all this self-help stuff and, and reforming yourself, that is not going to work. It's not the solution. The solution is to get the demon out. And so you say, well, I don't know who does that. And here's the funny thing. A lot of people who are supposed to be able to know how to get demons out, they don't want to touch it with a 10-foot pole. Mm-hmm. They send you back to the, medi- to, the, to the medicine men. They send you back to the medicine men and women. We call them doctors and pharmacists. And I'm not saying this makes all doctors and pharmacists bad, but medicine men were witch doctors. They used, they used spells and potions and combinations of herbs and chemicals. Or I guess they were more organic back then. At least that was a good thing. Um, but they, you know, to, to force a change in someone without pulling out a root, without getting to the lie. The root is the lie. Right. And that's one of the great atrocities of the Church of Jesus. It's like someone, say, someone comes to a pastor or other church leader and says, you know, I got this going on, and the pastor thinks, oh, my goodness, this is way more complicated. I can't handle this. You need to go to a specialist. Yeah. You need to go a, to a, a trained psychologist someone, or even, even a so-called Christian psychologist. Many of the practices there, it's simply about more doing, uh, more guilt, more doing, lists, uh, more self-help. Here's your list. Do your homework. You know, uh, bring me back a report next week. Be that good. sort of thing. And you and you're you're in bondage. You're in bondage to your recovery process. There you go. That's a very well wow. said. You're rec- you're in bondage to not only the first problem, the sin. Now you're in bondage to the liars who are going to help you get better. So that's called a torture rack. So, and so and the thing is, many uh, church leaders are simply not equipped, don't have the insight, understanding, knowledge. They believe a lie. They know, do have it. They do have it. It's there, but they don't want to use it. You don't want to admit, because, well, it's demonic or... Um, well, they're afraid. They're afraid. They're in fear. Number one, maybe their mindsets and belief systems about demons have been corrupted by the demons, so they believe that, number one, they don't exist, or number two, that they're not for the church today, or that, you know, Satan has no power in us. Well, can I just say something on that for a minute? People say, Christians say, well, Satan has no power, and and what we, and we're under the blood, we're under the blood, our stuff's under the blood, and so he can't touch me. Um, well, technically, you're right. Technically, Satan has only the power that we give him, but their people have given him plenty of power, more than enough to do what he needs to do because of the agreements they've made. And so he has all kinds of power. Second of all, under the blood, that is technically correct, but it has to be enforced because here's the deal. Just because, you know, it's illegal what the devil's doing, trespassing in our temples after we're saved, you know, is technically illegal. It's still happening just because there's been laws passed and it's it's technically illegal to rob a bank doesn't mean the bank robbers never enter another bank to rob it right just because something is illegal doesn't mean it's not going to happen we have to enforce the freedoms we have and on those grounds of I'm a new creature in Christ bought and paid for by Jesus Christ uh and and dead with Christ you know 
on those grounds, Satan, what he's doing inside of your temple, you know, with these vile, perverted thoughts and pictures and pornography and masturbation and uncleanness and addictions, blah, 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 and rage and anger and meanness and bitterness and unforgiveness. These demons have no right to be there. You say, well, well, well where's, what's my responsibility in all this? So that's the next question. It was my choice. Oh, yeah, right. You chose to do all that stuff. Then why are you trying to quit it? If you really wanted to do it, then you'd be all in favor of it, wouldn't you think? And why would you try to quit what you can't stop if you really wanted to? Paul says, if I'm doing what I don't want to do, it's not me doing it. Now, either he is talking about what he's talking about, and you and I didn't get it, or he's a liar. But God didn't say, erase that, Paul. They need to take responsibility. I want my children to learn how to take responsibility. As a matter of fact, Jesus never even used the word. And he never, ever chided his disciples. He said, you do not know what spirit you're of. He said, get behind me, Satan. But he never chided them for uh, not taking responsibility and that they needed to grow up and behave themselves and be good and get it right. He never said any of that stuff. So when Paul is saying, people say, well, what about taking responsibility for your sin? Well, how about this? How about acknowledging the sin for what it is and who's doing it? That's taking responsibility and saying, you know what, the responsibility here is that this is my house, and that devil does not have a right to be there, and I say, get out in the name of Jesus, I come against you. You, you cannot use the, my, the screen of my mind to run your demonic pictures of perversion and pornography. And yes, the devil will come into your mind and into your heart to tempt you with thoughts and feelings that he is persuading you to believe are your own. But at that point, you say, no, you won't. Shut up. No, I won't. Get out. That's not my thought. But why? Because you don't know that it's not. You think every thought you think is your thought, but not every thought you think you thought are your thoughts. Some of the thoughts you think you thought are thoughts the enemy wants you to think you thought. So he can get you to think you thought them. And in that way, he's got you to agree that they're yours and that they're okay to be there. And so the devil's very clever, honey. He comes into our minds and our thoughts and our feelings, and we don't recognize him. Therefore, we do not resist him. The Bible says, submit to God, resist the devil. Take captive every thought. Make it subject to the obedience of Christ. That's where you can start to take a little responsibility and pay attention in your life. Not about what am I going to do? How am I going to color my hair? What new color am I going to use? What what new car am I going to buy? What new food am I going to eat tonight? That's not where you need to make critical choices. Critical choices are in whose report do you believe? And then what about, you know, uh, there's people, say people in the church, and they have all these problems. And what about the person that comes along, a pastor, or somebody comes along, and they say, okay, this person has this issue, this issue going on. Therefore, they're probably not saved. Oh, yeah. They're not saved, or they think they're saved. False conversion. They, they say there's a false conversion, and so now you need to get a true conversion. So. If someone is say has legitimately in their heart put their faith in Jesus Christ, mm-hmm. okay, but they still have these issues attending them, you know, mm-hmm. bondages and stuff. So, okay, I got a good answer for we, that. Then we tell them, okay, you know, maybe you really weren't saved. Okay, then so you have got people in a quandary trying to figure out, okay, okay, how do I do I need to pray different? What do I need to do to have a a true conversion? You know, you got people in in debt, uh, in debt, in doubt. Well, they're in debt too, in debt and in doubt uh, about 
you know, they're, the fact that are they really a believer or not? Now, there's people I know that think they're believers that are certainly not. But then there are legitimate believers that because of the issues in their life, they're told, you're not really a believer. Yeah. You had a false conversion. Yeah. You've got okay. to do something different. Well, have we ever heard of a false birth? A false birth where somebody wasn't really born because they weren't born healthy. Uh because they weren't born being able to see or because they were born blind. They weren't really born. The, you're, what you're talking about is you're expect the birth process, the new birth process, the salvation process is not the same as the sanctification process. You see, when you know, or, or, or are you not really born when you're two and a half or let's just say you're two and a half years old and you still don't walk. So do we go back and, and say to the doctor, this kid really isn't born? <laughs> You know, because they're not walking yet, because they should be walking by, you know, 12 months. Here they are, two and a half, they're not walking. The doctor doesn't say, well, they're not born yet. Yeah, you're right. We'll just, you know. The the doctor says, well, yeah, they are born. Let's figure out what's going on here. Maybe maybe there's some surgery. Maybe there's some issue. Got, got to figure it out. But So they don't ever go back and say, they're not born. There's no, you know, it was a false birth. I yeah. So what, 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 what we're doing here is we're judging people. I believe this. I believe the final judgment, first of all, is with God. He is long-suffering. He's full of grace, mercy, truth, and peace. And God does know the damage and the destruction and the devilish things that are going on down here. And God does not expect us to outsmart the devil on our own or overpower him or overcome him on our own because it is already declared to be impossible. So God is not putting false expectations on us. I believe the religious demons are putting false expectations on us and making us feel bad and guilty for and stupid and not saved and blah, blah, blah. I believe people get saved, and I had this revelation just this last week, and I think I'll share it because it, it was kind of an eye-opener to me. Uh, I was listening to this program, um, and at the end of the program, it was a, talking about you know the times we're living in and the crisis and da-da-da, and that people should get right with God and that they... You know, if they're they're not saved, they need to confess their sins and repent and blah, blah, blah. And I just stopped and thought to myself, wait a minute. Okay, that confessing your sins to get saved, and you know how many people have said that to you, and 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 you've heard it, you've read it in the tract. Confess your sins. Jesus did say repent, you know, for the kingdom of God is at hand. But when he said that, he was talking about changing your mind. So when they're saying confess your sins, what they're saying is you're going to admit you got lots of sins so that you're really bad, you're really guilty, you're really unworthy, just reinforcing all the stuff you've been hating to think about. And and, and but God but Jesus said that's not how you get saved. The Bible says, Romans ten, nine and ten says that the word is nigh you. The word of salvation is nigh you, even in your mouth and in your heart, that if you will confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ. And believe in your heart, confess and believe, believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, that he is the Savior, that he is coming again. He died for you in your place. He died as a sacrifice for your sins, the atonement for your sins. He paid the price that demanded. If you confess that, you are saved. And Romans ten thirteen makes it even clearer. It says even simpler. It says, if whosoever, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Now, here's. I did not get saved. Then then God showed me, and you, he said, you didn't get saved by confessing your sins. And I said, you're right. 
I went back and remembered how I got saved. I think I was already saved when I was five or six years old, but I didn't know the word saved existed, and I didn't know you could know you're saved and going to heaven, so I was trying to be a really good girl all my little childhood life. But So when I got saved, I was already pretty tainted, jaded, angry, upset with the religions and, and, the, and the preachers and all this other stuff that were pushing and peddling the word of God. And the, the irony of it is one of these preachers that I did not respect much at all um, showed me the, the, the scripture, Romans ten thirteen, which I had not yet seen because um, I didn't know much about the Bible, and said, read that. So I read it. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. It doesn't say anything about confessing your sins. She just simply asked me, have you ever called upon the name of the Lord? Well, if I would have said no, then I would have had to deny half my life because I'd prayed and asked God for a lot of things. And secondly, I would have had to call God a liar because he, I would have had to say, okay, God, that doesn't mean anything. Y- you know, that doesn't mean anything. Calling upon you doesn't mean I'm saved. I could not call God a liar. That's how I got saved because I didn't have the gumption, the courage, whatever, to come up in the face of God and say, your word's wrong. I just didn't. So I got saved because I technically could not call God a liar. I did not get saved because I said, God, I sinned here and here and here. I, sins, confessing sins to me had become a mockery because by the time I was, you know, through the Catholic Church and the confessional, uh, how many times since before I, was, I left it, I had the same sins, the same confession, confession, contrition, our fathers, Hail Marys. I was making up sins. I was repeating the same sins. I didn't know how many sins. Who, who keeps track of your sins? And, and so, therefore, I was a, it was a ridiculous, futile uh, exercise. But anyway, then God said to me, okay, so you didn't, get con- you didn't get saved by confessing your sins. My Bible doesn't say you have to confess your sins. And now look at Jesus. Did he say to the disciples when he was down here, guys, you're going to have to confess your sins to get saved. He said, he said, repent, change your mind, follow me. Now to repent, change your mind, knows you have to know what you believed to realize that it was a lie. But it's after you're saved that you begin to confess your sins. Confession of sins is for the saved. Once you're saved, what that means is when you confess that you've sinned, Lord, I committed this and I did this, I did that. You are actually saying to God, you're right. I was in agreement with a lie. I come out of that agreement by confessing the truth that you are right and this was not okay. This was a lie. First John 1, 7 through 10. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. Now, this is written to believers. Yep. So this is part of the sanctification process. So if if uh, my being saved uh, depends on me confessing all my sins. Yeah. What if I miss one or two? What kind of a God would that be then? What if I forgot some of them? <laughs> then, then you put God in a real quandary. Is he really going to be able to save you or not because you forgot one of your sins? You know, this is foolishness. The devil is the one who's binding all this up in these false conversions. I believe that people who call upon the name of the Lord, are God himself commits himself to that person. He says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. It doesn't mean they're going to be saved and... and, and uh, 
maybe sort of, kind of, and depends on all this other stuff. But I believe also that the, the process of sanctification is the process of liberation. I believe that salvation is the birth process, but at the moment of birth, as, the, as we even enter this world, at that very moment, the liberation process, the freedom, setting us free, needs to also commence or begin. Because if we don't, we will walk through this world and be the devil will try to steal from us the hope of our salvation um, and the benefits, the, the blessings, the peace of living in that salvation by continuing to beat us up with fear and with um, with uh, bondage. And, and once people have come to know Christ, have put their faith in Jesus as Savior and Lord, uh, the, the freedom is largely dependent on the discipleship process. Right. So, so there are in the discipleship process. Jesus didn't say go and build huge mega church buildings. Right. He said make disciples, teach right. all nations, love them. They One will one, know. How did Jesus? Mm-hmm. Uh, teach and interact with the disciples. It was the one-on-one, mm-hmm. small groups, teaching, sharing. Yep. Paul said, be imitators of me or be followers of me of, as I am of Christ. Mm-hmm. So it's it's the, this is where a lot of breakdown is a lot of times. It's, it's the discipleship process. How do we train and encourage people in the truth once they've come to know Jesus Christ? That is a very critical piece in bringing us into freedom. It's all critical. It's all God. It's all, you know, truth and freedom are his, the cry of his heart for us, uh, whom the Son sets free is free indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Um, I have, you know, we're going we're gonna to play a little commercial right now. It's, it's an excerpt from our um, documentary that we did a while back called What is Life? And it, it's relevant in the fact that it's all about life. Everything is about life. Freedom is about life. Life is about freedom for God and God's perspective. And so we're going to listen to that now, and then we're going to come back with a few more comments. What is life? Where does it come from? Where does it end? Is it merely a sequence of random events thrown together? Is it of any significance? Or is it just there, a dash between two dates carved on a cemetery stone? Does it count? Does it last? What's it worth? Does it matter? Is evolution a plausible explanation for the existence of man? Does the Genesis record give us an accurate account of the origin of man? Or are there other valid arguments that can explain the origin of human life? Were we planned from the foundation of the world, or were we an accident, an amoeba emerging out of primordial slime? And what is the ultimate significance of a life born by accident, or of no one being there? If we are nothing but the result of random chance and fortunate mutations to the nth power, who cares? And if we are of no significance in our birth, then life is of little value, and to die is the same as to live. That is the fatal destruction. That is the lie. That is one of the lies that Satan perpetuates among the young people, among anyone who hasn't really stopped to think about where they come from. And if you stop and think about it, this generation, 
the last two or three generations have been so attacked in their very origin and worth uh, by making them believe that they come from a monkey or slime or whatever it is. So that is a, that's a documentary video. That's a video, a DVD. There's also a, a study manual that goes with it. It's kind of written towards that age group of the, the junior high, um, maybe even senior high, maybe even some of you who would like to have some good answers to people who keep throwing that evolution curve ball at you. Uh, what is life? It's, a, it can, it's available on our website, liferecovery.com, along with the study guide. Um, it would be awesome. It's an, about an hour long, and uh, it's, it's very entertaining. It's not boring. It's not your typical, you know, boring, throw something at you, talk at you kind of thing. I'd really encourage you to do that. And, and the other thing that we would like to really invite you to do, that is if you feel like these radio broadcasts, are helping you. And I know some of you, a lot of you actually listen on the archives. That's awesome. We want to thank you for doing that, for taking us along with you on your rides and your commutes and your trips and wherever you go. We thank you for doing that because um, that's really an awesome gift God has given us to be able to talk to you in all these crazy places where you go, um, that you will tell other people about it. Show them how to get it on their listening device. Um, I think uh, we can... Those of you who know how to do that, you can go right to the website and listen to it there, or you can set it up to pull it down and download it onto your device. Um, I think there's even ways that we uh, are. I'm not sure where we all are right now. I'll give you a little more information on the technical stuff maybe next week on how to get yourself set up, and but pass good news along. For crying out loud, there's not very much good news out there. So tell people about life recovery and, oh, one other piece of good news. Do you want to tell them about the 30th, Jerry? Well, I'm going to have on the 30th, January 30th, from 10 till 3. Mm-hmm. It's a Saturday. We have a, a very special seminar that uh, Margie's going to be leading. Go ahead, tell us about it's the called, topic. Uh, yeah, it's called Uncovering the Lies, the Secrets in Your Generational Closet, and um, how to understand how to uncover. We talked a little bit about that this, this early in the show, about the life patterns, the demonic life patterns that, that Satan sets up in our lives and to begin to uncover those things and what to do about it, not just to to identify the problem, but also to give you the things that work to get you set free. It's time to have the solution. So that is a free workshop, and uh, it's over in... Um, it's in Rogers at the Holiday Inn Express in Rogers, Minnesota. Yeah. There's no registration charge. We probably will take, a, you know, a receive a free will offering, yeah. and there will be many uh, products available, CDs, DVDs, books, manuals. And, and encouragement. And a lot of encouragement. Uh, mm-hmm. there's, 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 these seminars are not just like, it's not just head stuff. It's, mm-hmm. it's heart stuff. And, and um, stuff that works. Stuff that works. And uh, yeah. just, just the, uh, the people there mm-hmm. uh, will be a great encouragement to you. Yeah, we're, well. pl- we're planning on doing, just hold on. Yeah, we'd like to have you sign up. How can they sign up? Well, they just can go to the the, the website, liferecovery.com, right on the front page. Liferecovery.com. There's a, a place to sign in for the workshop. And what, what that does is it helps us to know how many are going to be there because there is limited seating, but I am pretty sure that we still have room for you. So here's the deal, though. Uh, just to think ahead, um, that is a Saturday towards the end of the month. We're also going to be doing another seminar uh, in February, towards the end of the month, I think, uh, I'm not sure the date, it's the 26th or 27th, whichever is the Saturday. And then also again in March, at the pretty much a month later. So 
mark your calendars and check that out because um, especially if you're within driving distance, we do uh, record these. And so for those of you who can't come, the first one was Untangling the Lies, the conference. Uh, The second one was called Decoding the Lies. This one is called Uncovering the Lies. So they'll end up being a series, but um, for those of you who can come, uh, there's nothing like being there because we do a lot of demonstrations and actual prayer that are not recorded on those um, on those CDs. So yeah, um, and when you're coming, you can uh, we have a little uh, lunch break in there. You can bring your own lunch, or there are a lot yeah. of uh, restaurants mm-hmm. close by there too. Free parking too, so you got no excuses. Okay, well, God bless you guys and. Whom the sun sets free is free indeed. Walk in your freedom. And if you're not free in a certain area, let's ask the Lord to show you what's the lie you believe. Amen. Thank you, honey. Those were great questions.